Hi there, Fiber Friends. We are back here in the new year, finally. Thank you for tuning into the Fiber Artist Podcast. Uh, head to neuromastudio.com to get 20% off your next purchase using the code PODSQUAD. We have a huge selection of premium cotton and recycled cotton rope and string, uh, merino wool yarn and roving, or recycled silks and ribbons. Um, if you're enjoying these episodes, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a comment on the videos on YouTube. Any little bit helps. Um, or just tell your friends, you know. Uh, thank you for supporting by continuing to join me for each episode. I really appreciate it. And today's guest, I loved getting to know her. It is the incredibly talented Fanny Zedenyas. You might know her from her beautiful Instagram account, Createaholic, or perhaps you've learned to not from one of her two macrame books, um, Macrame, The Craft of Creative Nodding for Your Home, which has sold over 100,000 copies worldwide. It's been translated into a bunch of languages as well. Um, or her second book, Macrame 2, Accessories, Homewares, and More, How to Take Your Nodding to the Next Level. Um, coming to us from Stockholm, Sweden, Funny chats with us about having a pandemic baby and about the struggles of motherhood and juggling her many, many time-consuming creative projects and supply shop. Um, I honestly don't know how she does it. You can find Fanny online at createaholic.se. Um, all right. I think that's it for my rambling. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's interesting. I want to talk to you about COVID and Sweden, actually. But um, but first, let's. Yes. Can you please introduce yourself? <laughs> um, just give your first and last name and where people can find you online and on Instagram or wherever you want them to go. Uh, yes. So my name is um, Fanny Sedenius. That's how you pronounce it in, oh. in Swedish. <laughs> oh, wait. Say it again. Say it, pronounce it slowly for me. Fanny Sedenius. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like funny. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, so it's not funny. funny oh, okay. uh, but I'm always like, I always feel a little bit awkward saying my name in English uh, because you know why. <laughs> and I lived in Australia when I was nine and went to an Australian school and they told my parents like, change her name. That, that can be her name. Does she have a second name? Maria. Okay. Her name is Maria from now on. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny because actually here in America, Fanny, when they use it, you know, whatever, in a slang way, it's yeah. the butt. But I think in the yeah. in Britain and Australia, it's vagina, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So either way, either way, it's not great. Yeah, I was screwed. And, and, you know, I mean, it's not better. It's the same. Yeah, my name is funny. That's not better. Uh, yeah. So for one day I was called Maria, but then uh, Maria. my parents... Yeah, so that's weird. so random too. <laughs> and then, like, my parents were like, "No, let's just change the last letter." So they changed it to A, which would have made it Fana, but uh -huh. then the Aussies couldn't pronounce that, so they made it Fane. So for me, it's much more natural to say, "Yeah, my name is Fane." If I'm talking English. Oh, so. interesting. Okay, wow. Well, so we have to talk about your whole Sorry. Um, your whole yeah. time in Australia too. But uh, you can find me online um, on Instagram at uh, createaholic, and you can find my website createaholic.se.com was unfortunately taken. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for agreeing to come on today. I'm very excited to chat with you. Um, I mean, it's been forever. I feel like that I've been following you and admiring your work. It's so beautiful. And the lemon tree behind you. I was actually just looking at your Instagram this morning and you showed the process of how you made that. Yeah. It's so yeah. awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, wait, so you mentioned you were in Australia for how long and when? Yeah. So um, my whole family, when I was I was eight, uh, we moved to just outside Sydney uh, for a year because oh. my dad got got a job that lasted a year. And um, yeah, I went to an Australian school and um, yeah, I had a proper Australian accent. Oh, wow. Very actively <laughs> worked to ruin when I came back. <laughs> yeah. Was it, um, was it, hard to adjust to life over there or did it feel I mean I guess when you're eight years old you're just very you know you're resilient and yeah sure but I knew like yes no one two three uh in English I didn't speak English oh so, <clears throat> yeah I was uh, put in school without knowing 
the language and I didn't have my own name. So I was like, oh, God, you poor thing. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a bit scary. But then it was, yeah, it was one of the best years of my life still. Did you go in? Did your family move knowing it was only going to be for a year or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My dad's a a surgeon, a doctor. So Mm -hmm. Sweden and Australia have a lot of exchange uh, programs. Oh, I see. And do you have any other siblings? Yes, I have uh, two younger sisters, and they're two and four years younger, so they also (laughs) went to school and preschool. (laughs) Yeah, at least you had them. (laughs) Oh, wow, that's awesome. So is that where you learned how to speak English, really? Um, Probably, yeah. Uh, Well, yes, that's how I learned to speak English, but um, to be fair, like everybody in Sweden talks English. That's what I that's well. what I was thinking. That you guys are all yeah. like bi and trilingual. Um like everyone yeah. in Europe I feel like just speaks more languages than everyone in America. We all kind of suck on that <laughs> <laughs> on that front. Well, it's a useful language to know, so there's no need really to yeah. like, languages. Unfortunately. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, kinda. I don't know. <laughs> I think it would all just make us smarter in general if we learned them better, but um anyway so um I mean you're so artistic in so many different ways um thank you (laughs) were were you always like as a child were you always kind of crafty and artistic and tell me about your life growing up and how you ended up sort of finding fiber yeah so definitely have always been a creatorholic (laughs) um I've always like painted and drawn and Later on, I started like sewing my own clothes. Uh, I looked completely ridiculous, but (laughs) that's another story. Um, And yeah, you know, I was just like, I had creative projects going on all the time. I didn't necessarily finish all of them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know, that's, I needed that in my life always. And um, then I just never thought, it would be something that I would be working with. I didn't see that as a career at all, uh, mostly because I felt like, yeah, well, in, in my case, I tire of um, different mediums very quickly. Like when I finished with this knitting project or whatever, I want to do something else. I want to go paint or, you know. So I was like, it, it's not an option for me because <laughs> I'm just going to get tired of it. Right. And then, yeah, so I started studying uh, at university. So I studied uh, international relations for almost five years. And uh, I started an internship uh, while I was uh, doing my master's. And uh, I was so stressed. (laughs) I was like the most stressed I had been in my whole life. And my sister's said to me like why don't you open an Instagram to show your different creative projects like as a side thing yeah and so I did that in uh, 2014 and uh, just showed like different I was making like furniture and jewelry and I don't know paintings and different stuff and then you're making furniture like woodworking uh no not really woodworking but I made a like a, a sofa out of wooden pallets and a bed oh, wow, and, okay. and uh, yeah different things um and uh so at some point in late 2014 I saw a picture of macrame and I was like what is that I've never seen anything like it <laughs> I have to I have to learn it so I like Googled and found some not illustrations mm-hmm. and made my first plan hanger and I was so hooked. <laughs> and from then on, I was just doing macrame in all my spare time yeah. after my uh, studies and my internship. And yeah, and it just took all the stress away. Oh, that's awesome. It just went away. So... And, and yeah, I didn't get tired of it, which yeah. was new for me. I just wanted to continue, you know. And I started getting um, questions on Instagram, like, do you sell your things? 
So I started selling them. <laughs> I quickly decided that I wanted to start a business and not just do it as a hobby. Uh, so I set up my business and then I started getting questions like, yeah, do you do workshops? So I started doing workshops and yeah, you know, back then there were no supplies. Right. <laughs> anywhere. So people were like, where are you getting your supplies? Uh, so I started selling some supplies and uh, yeah. Yeah, the and the rest is history. <laughs> so it looks like, it sounds like you were kind of looking for, uh, I mean, maybe a little bit of therapy in a way, like fiber therapy, but uh, but also an out. Like, it sounds like you really did not love the international relations career I part. I did, though. I really, yeah. I, I did enjoy it. And I, I was completely set on continuing. Uh, but I also had like, I had an end point in mind because my studies were going to finish and my internship was going to finish. Uh, it actually led to like a year of work there, but I knew it was just for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, my partner and I, Simon, uh, we decided to uh, take a one year trip around the world mm -hmm. um, right when I finished because it w was like a great timing and it was something we both wanted to do. So um, I was finishing my job either way you know right and simultaneously I got a, a book offer from a, a publisher in the UK oh that was happening as you were still working oh yes. I didn't realize that wow so I was still working and um and I was planning this trip around the world so I was like I, I'm sorry I, I can't do it oh, I, I don't think I've got the time because <laughs> yeah. I'm going away and it's so soon uh that was like spring uh, 2016 and we were leaving um late summer so but they convinced me and I quit my job a little earlier oh nice worked around the clock to finish <laughs> wow how did I mean when you got that proposal to do that what I mean I don't know. And also you're young. I didn't realize how young you are. So you were only working for a year. Uh, no, I, I, I started studying at uni late. So, oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm 34. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, but either way, right? Like when given the opportunity to do a book, I mean, did, how did you feel? Were you completely overwhelmed or did you have a plan of attack on how, like, did they um, help you through the process or how did that all go? Uh, <laughs> You know, back then, so it was early 2016, I was completely like, why aren't there any um, books, modern books about macrame? Mm -hmm. um, somebody should do that. Somebody's going to do that. That was my thought. Like, it's going to happen. Somebody's going to do that soon. And then I got this email and I was like, yeah, I, I know what you mean. This is, uh, somebody needs to do this. Right. You want me to? <laughs> and yeah I was very flattered and completely terrified but it's not something you say no to right so obviously not no way <laughs> and look at how much it's grown too so you've done two macrame books mm -hmm. um do you have any uh plans to do a third uh, maybe maybe <laughs> <laughs> mm, very mysterious <laughs> what'd you say I'll just leave it at that. Okay, nice. Um, wait, so did you do your trip around the world or did you end up? Okay. Yeah, so I worked my ass off uh, that whole spring and summer, you know, um, just making all the macrame and writing and then illustrating. And then we left um, to go to New Zealand in, I think it was like early September. And I finished the last pages and last drawings on the trip. So wow. I, the illustrations in the first book is like from my trips around the world. And uh, like I'm wow. sitting at a cafe in Thailand uh, <laughs> illustrating and trying to find a decent scanner and then decent internet to send it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That must have been an interesting experience because did you when you were planning the trip around the world, did you wanted to be more of like a non-working, relaxing trip um, and then it turned into a work trip? 
that was the plan. Yes. Well, we had some plans of working along the way, like um, maybe working at farms or something like oh, that. Nice. Uh, nice. But it felt really good because one year without working, um, it's a long, long right. time. Like you, lo- do you sort of you would lose purpose in a way? Yeah, yeah. I it was actually really good that I had that. So and I traveled with some rope all the time because I was like. <laughs> so addicted still so totally yeah so were you selling supplies at that time or were you like did you put your shop on hold I just I don't think I know what was going on in like that that time period I had to put it on hold and it was a little bit frustrating right and because the income you know your income stops well not just that but like you lose momentum like it was just the rice and and then I went away and my book was going to launch when I was still out traveling so I wanted to be like home t- to take advantage of that moment yeah so, yeah we uh, we left to go back home one month earlier so we were out okay. for 11 instead of 12 months okay wow I mean you still got a good 11 months that's that's amazing yeah. what was um out of all the places you went to what would you say were like the top three Oh, that's uh, the most common question, and it's so hard to answer. Really? Um, yeah, we had like a couple of really uh, great places, uh, really great moments uh, on that trip. And one was at a uh, like a, a, an old man's house that <laughs> we we just followed him uh, in our um, camper van in Australia. Mm-hmm. We like met him uh, when we were hiking, and we asked him like, "Where where do you think we should uh, park tonight? If you were us, where would you go?" And he was like, "If I were you, I would camp at my place." <laughs> so we followed him, and he had this like natural reserve sort of, um, and he had built his own cabin in the woods, and we got to uh, spend a night there uh, by ourselves, and it was magical. So that was one. And then Kenya was super cool. Like super, super cool. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Did you do yeah. like safari trips and things like um, that? Not in Kenya. We did like volunteer work there. <clears throat> what sort of volunteer work? Uh, we uh, were on an island in uh, Lake Victoria and helped a guy who runs um, a nonprofit there like uh, we helped him set up a web page and oh, stuff nice. like that uh, and then yeah colombia was another really uh really cool trip i met up with what a follower of mine um i was like now i'm in colombia <laughs> she's like i live here come here oh that's awesome <laughs> Yes, and and it was. She lived in a paradise. Like oh, really? Five avocado trees, ten mango trees, and like. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing better <laughs> than like a fresh, fresh mango or a fresh avocado right off the tree. That's awesome. Um, wait, so when you were in Kenya, how did you how did you hook up with like the volunteer? Was it like a uh, company, or how did that work out? Uh, it was a website where they listed different organizations you oh, could contact. So, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. So yeah. the whole time you're on this trip, too, you're working on your book. Um, like, did you were you taking photographs of the work and doing all that, like all the step by step things while you were traveling? Um, no, so uh, we had um, we had a photo shoot. I, I'm not the photographer in my books. OK. It's, uh, brilliant photographer called Kim Lightbody uh, who um, has shot both books and uh, we had a photo session before um, leaving on the trip in Sweden so it's shot in Sweden and yeah so at least you had the photos done before you left yeah oh good good. most of the uh, stuff done Uh, most of the illustrations and most of the texts done oh wow God, yeah. it sounds so it sounds so fun and also so stressful <laughs> having, yeah. having to do it on the road and like have internet connection, like something simple like that. Like, I feel like those logistics are are you know hard to get around or whatever. I know, I know, and 
I, I like I said, I, I turned them down at first because I didn't think it was going to be possible at all because yeah. we were in really remote places where we had no internet connection for days. And yeah. Um, and I, I got a copy, my first copy of, of uh, my first book. I got it when we were in Cape Town. So they sent it to me there and oh, I opened wow. it and had a look at it in Cape Town. It's like surreal. It's so surreal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, cause on top of like, even if you were home and you were receiving your first, you know, the first draft of the book probably would have been crazy feeling, but then you're like completely in an, in a place that's unfamiliar. And I mean, yeah, I imagine those moments are so burned into your memory because it's, cause it's extra different. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. It was so surreal. That's awesome. <laughs> what a cool feeling. Um, so yeah, the thing is that you are artistic in so many different ways. Um, and I'm, I'm curious especially with like, so with Instagram, your photography is beautiful. The processes of all the things that you do are so time consuming and, um, and also just really beautiful. Is this, are you, are you working alone on all of this or does your husband, your partner help or, um, what's Um, your process? It's, it's all me. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah, for me, the whole taking photos and video editing and photo editing, all that, that's, uh, something very creative for me as well. I, I love the creative process of that and I spend way too much time on it. Uh, (laughs) like I could be, Spending way much less, way less time. Well, no, but that, it takes but it takes that much time. That's the thing, and and I think that it's it shows so much in the quality of your, of your of your Instagram. Like I think many people just kind of you know you post what you can, you go, but it's like every single post that you do is like you can tell that each one is a piece of artwork in itself instead of just like a, a random photo. You know what I mean? Like every single one. I'm like, oh my God, how does she have this time? <laughs> and oh, especially now, you. now you're a mom, right? Oh, yeah, <sighs> that's why I'm not posting that much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how has, wait, so let me see. So Noah was born when? Um, was, was that before born- the pa- pandemic or right after? Born on the day that WHO said, this is a pandemic that was march 11. oh wow so yeah he's uh yeah he's a pandemic <laughs> he baby <laughs> yeah uh, that's funny that was so my due date that was my due date for my first kid he was he ended up being born on the 14th but um yeah that was okay. totally my due date <laughs> <laughs> yeah noah's was on leap day 29. oh wow uh, oh so yes. you went way over yeah and I felt like I could have gone on way longer. Than really? That. So <laughs> yes, did... I wasn't. Yeah, I I wasn't uncomfortable even. Like really? Oh my gosh, you're lucky. Um, did you end up having right, yeah. to be induced? Uh, no. If he'd have been, I think three days later, they would have induced me. I see. Um, but yeah, thankfully I didn't have to. Yeah. How was uh, labor and delivery and all that? Uh, wow. It was a roller coaster. That's how I best describe it. It was like, well, you know, I was in complete denial my whole pregnancy. Like, <laughs> I, I, I knew there was a baby in there, but I was also like, that's just a very strange concept. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I was like, when, as um, we were getting closer to the due date, I was like, okay, I have to realize that there's a baby coming, but it, it was still very, very hard. And what, like things were going, um, uh, starting, you know, uh, I was like, no, I think it's just, it's gases. <laughs> Even after 11 days over or however many days, it's like 11. Yeah. You're 12, yeah. 12 days over. Yeah. Uh, and Simon was like, I think this is maybe not gases because they're quite like regular and intense. <laughs> so he started like clocking them because they started during the night. And, um, and in the morning, he decided to stay home from work. And I was like, yeah, but 
maybe maybe something is starting now but either way it's gonna be like so many hours so can you please help me pack my orders oh no <laughs> and, he, and he was like yeah well um i'm not gonna argue with her <laughs> at this point so oh he he like yeah, printed out the list of orders and uh started packing everything and i couldn't even get out of bed so i was like in bed and he came and like held all the uh, spools of rope and like is this what color? Mil- <laughs> yeah, is this five millimeter or three millimeter? Okay, <laughs> totally. It's so funny because my my husband will be like, well, if I'm really busy, he'll be like, can I help? And I'm like, no, you don't know anything. Just go. <laughs> you know, like- Actually, Simon knows ninety eight percent. That's now. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. I was in denial, uh, and uh, then it, when it started, uh, finally, like my water broke, and then it started hurting. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, this is not gases. <laughs> yeah, it comes on uh, strong. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, so then it, it went well in the end, but good. yeah, <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so then you get out of the hospital, and you're like, oh, we're in we're in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. <laughs> but Sweden did not lock down, right? You guys didn't no, have like a no. – did it feel fairly nor- right, like normal to you? It was uh, – well, no. Uh, it definitely didn't. Like uh, we, we didn't have lockdown per se, but we had, I guess you would call it like voluntary restrictions. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, people were following them. Uh, so, uh, people started working from home uh, and, um, yeah, you know, um, we can visit our elders, uh, and, um, yeah. So my uncle, uh, he got COVID and I think he, he died like a couple of days later and nobody got to say goodbye and yeah. So. Oh, I'm so sorry. Definitely feel normal you know um we were in the baby bubble and and being winter spring we would have like stayed isolated either way to like different um dangerous viruses um uh so in that way we weren't like uh, adjusting so much Mm -hmm. uh but as time went on it was it was not normal right (laughs) i had all the time which actually was really great I think I would have gone nuts because none of my friends had babies and all of the like regular uh, things that new moms do here like meet up with other moms and have like mom groups and stuff that was just cancelled so mm. yeah I was at home and I continued working <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it's like isolating times 1000 for sure mm. yeah it's interesting I'm trying to think back so like because in Korean culture you're supposed to stay home the mom at least the mom has to stay home for at least a month because they don't want you to experience any cold drafts on your body so that the mom heals which is really nice okay. because so like my mom stayed so that she could like help and like cook everything and um, and like the only uh, time I was allowed to leave the house was to go um, to doctor's appointments like you know your well your wellness checkups for the baby and um, yeah. and like I, I kept thinking like I was so grateful for that forced time um, yeah. to not do anything and I always wonder like how people two weeks after they have a baby they're like out and about and working like some people are working and you know you got to do what you have to do but I'm like oh my god like it's so hard like your body is yeah. wrecked you know yeah. like yeah. It, your your pelvis is all loose and like you know you need time <laughs> to get your bones back together honestly yeah um, but yeah, so you, you were like in full in isolation mode. Um, did you, because it's hard to have a baby anyway, right? It's hard to be a new mom. And like, yeah. did you feel like, I guess you probably have no, there's no baseline for you to understand, I guess, if you would have been more anxious or less anxious. No, um, I don't think, it, I'm not that uh, like anxious as a person. I, I don't think, um, so I, I wasn't that anxious. Um, about COVID um, like um, affecting us Mm -hmm. like the baby Noah and me and Simon I was scared for my parents Um, so yeah but 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. You kind of got to be in your little cocoon in the house, and <laughs> that's nice. So, are your is your family in Sweden? Are your parents in Sweden? Yeah, yeah. Are they All close them, by? Um, well, uh, my parents and one of my sisters. Uh, all live in Stockholm and another sister of mine lives um, on the other side uh, in Gothenburg so okay. we uh, meet up every now and then nice we're I... a very knit family <laughs> yeah are you in Stockholm right yes okay. I'm in Stockholm um, so now that you do have a baby um, do you feel like motherhood has changed <sighs> like the way that you either approach your work slash career, um, you know, do you feel more relaxed, less relaxed, more, more, more purposeful? Like, I'm just wondering <laughs> if there have been any. Yeah, yeah, I wish I could answer. Yeah, I'm so, yeah. Um, I'm like using it to, <laughs> to take my business to the next level or whatever. But actually, I'm mostly quite frustrated (laughs) that I don't have the time I want. Like, um, yeah, I I knew it was going to be different. I knew it. uh, But still, I had no idea. Um, I used to be one of those people who worked from morning until like two in the morning. And I'd still have energy because the creativity would give me energy and now I just I I can't I'm too tired in the evenings so uh a lot of my creative outlet has just gone out the window I know I know Uh, and yeah it's it's been frustrating but I'm learning to accept it and (laughs) I'm I'm adjusting my business to be able to make more room for the creative parts yeah, I know. I empathize a great deal. <laughs> it's it's crazy how much time and even when they're in school. So, I mean, Noah's in daycare now, right? But even then, yeah. it's like the day flies by it, it, yeah. and you're like, what did I do? It's like by the time you brush your teeth, have some coffee, possibly take a shower or something like it's like half done or and you probably have to go grocery shop. I mean, there's all these things that need to be done and yeah. the day's yeah, like half I- gone already. Yeah, Noah started daycare in uh, like late August, mm-hmm. September last year. And that summer before he started, I was so frustrated and irritated. I just yeah. wanted to be working and I couldn't because um, um, Simon had to go back to work a little earlier from his uh, paternity leave. And I, I just felt so stuck, yeah. you know. And I was longing for this time when he was going to go to daycare. And, you know, all, at the same time, you have all these, like, um, um, how do you say? Um, I was feeling bad for not wanting to spend every guilt. single second. Yeah, guilt. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, I had mom guilt. <laughs> totally. And also, I, I did want to spend all, uh, every minute with him. So it was like this internal battle. But I was longing for this moment when when he would start daycare. And when he started, since then, I think we've had like 10 or 15 different illnesses. Totally. And and so it doesn't even feel like he started. (laughs) It's the same. (laughs) So I'm just waiting for his immune system to really kick in and being able to work full time. Yeah, or at least close to full time. Yeah, uh, because now also uh, the daycare center, uh, like they, all the personnel, they're sick with COVID and one thing after the other, so they have shortened the amount of time you can be there, and they may oh. even have to close down completely. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, um, <laughs> what are the protocols there? Like, if one person tests positive, do they close it down for a? Um, a week or anything like because that's like the way our schools work it's like uh close contacts so if you if the kids sit around the, the kid who tests positive then those kids have to quarantine for uh i think now it's five days um oh. even if they're showing negative tests and all that stuff because it doesn't show up for a while you know um mm-hmm. yeah so what are what are the protocols there well, the protocol is basically uh, to inform and look out for symptoms yeah yeah Okay. 
So, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. It, it is truly like just waiting for it to happen. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I It sounds terrible, but a part of me is just like, if we could ensure, if we could know for sure that what we were going to get was Omicron, I would be like, let's just do it. Let's just do it and get it <laughs> over with. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah the, even like the waiting for it is almost worse. Than, yeah. You know, yeah, I know what you mean. But at the same time, my friends who are having it now, it's probably Omicron and they're losing taste and smell. And I really don't want that. So. I know, I know. You know what's crazy? I had in 2008, I got so sick, like so, so sick. And I thought it was strep throat. Um, and I remember going to the doctor. I like, I'd never felt so deathly ill before. And um, I remember going to the doctor and they like tested me for strep. And then it came back and they're, they're like, it's not strep, but – and then I remember them saying something about animals. And I was like, what the hell? Like I had gone <laughs> – I remember I had like gone to a farm right before I got sick. I'm like, maybe I got something from the animals. I don't know. But now what happened was after that sickness, that was I was probably in bed for a week. And uh, maybe two weeks later, I got this really weird taste and smell. Like everything was – it wasn't gone. It was altered. Like everything sort of smelled like gasoline all the time or like metal in my mouth. And yeah. let me tell you, this lasted for eight years. Eight, eight years. And now that I look back, I think I had H1N1. Because um, that was around the time that that was going around. And um, and I and I had the taste and smell thing. And like, and I'm like, and now that everyone's losing it, I'm like, I feel so seen. I'm like, you guys don't understand. I dealt with it for eight years. And the only thing that would help me, like I would do these saline sprays and I'd have to this sounds so insane. I was like at a wedding and I had to do this. I had to flip my head upside down so that the saline would go all the way up into my brain basically. And it would hit some kind of receptors that would mask whatever the terrible taste and smell I constantly had in my nose was. And so I would, it would be enough for me to eat for like 20 minutes because otherwise food tasted like shit. Like everything tasted so bad. And um, yeah, it was like, I just had a constant like- That's a nightmare. It was horrible. <laughs> and <laughs> it finally like fully went away after my first kid. And it was like, it was like, I guess it was gradual. But um, I mean, I went to, I remember joining a Yahoo group that was like a parosmia Yahoo group. And some people were having, were able to go to this doctor in Massachusetts that did cocaine therapy, where he would put <laughs> liquid cocaine into your nose and it actually helped them. And I was like, so I'm like looking, I was trying to get to go to this doctor. I was so desperate. I was so desperate. Yeah. <laughs> and I found an ENT, um, an ear, nose, throat doctor around me who would do lidocaine therapy. So he would stick like lidocaine, uh, liquid lidocaine up there and it would work for like an hour. And he was like, well, maybe over time we can just reset you. So come like once a month and we'll try to reset it. That didn't really – I mean, it would work for an hour or two, which would be great. So I would eat like yeah. good for like an hour. And I'd be like, oh, this is so good. The food finally tastes normal. And then, um, yeah, man, it was the weirdest thing. But now I'm like, see, this is what was happening, you guys. I wasn't crazy. I mean, yeah. it was the strangest. Don't tell them that – you had it for eight, eight years. Eight years, I know. Years, oh, <laughs> I know. So far, it seems like most people are getting it back at least within six months or something. I know some yeah. people are, it's going on a year. And I'm like, ah, you're going to be okay. You live. If I live through it, you can live through it. But it was horrible now that I think about it. Oh, I can't even imagine. I know. I know. I know. I think what I really don't want is like the people who have really long COVID with the fatigue where they're yeah. like, I'm tired constantly right. for six months. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. I, that's something that's I just most afraid of in the beginning yeah yeah totally because I'm tired as it is of course I know you probably still don't have your sleep back really is Noah sleeping through the night no oh. he has never really? a single night uh, slept through the whole night no oh, but he's no. Uh, not like really super fussy he just wakes up and wants to uh, come to our bed okay and so he just falls asleep with you but then that's still not good sleep for you no, no. Right? You're like always like, like half awake listening to if he's calling you, you know? So, yeah, yeah. And like then you're like worried you're going to roll over on them. And oh, God, I know. <laughs> it's hard. But it will not be forever. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better as they get older. <laughs>
My, my sister always, I have an older sister and she always used to just say like by the time at least they're three years old, three is like the magic number where they get more independent and you yeah. know, you're not worried about them like just bumping into things all the time or falling down the stairs and things like that where you can just relax a little yeah. more. And she's right. As soon as my younger, my youngest turned three, like things finally got fun. Like I feel like for okay. truly yeah. for the first years, it's you love them, but it's not that fun. <laughs> Newborns are boring. Well, Newborns are boring. Um, <laughs> one-year-olds are terrifying, you know, because they're r- walking, but so clumsy, you know? And, like, yeah, it's right. It's true. Like, as soon as they're kind of, like, out of diapers and three – three is a good age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Well, I have to say, I, I think we have a lot of fun, uh, but, like, we're also very tired. But yeah. it's a balance, you know. Uh, but we're laughing a lot because he – he's a little weirdo <laughs> and he's start, starting to talk now so um yeah yeah fun. the talking phase is fun <laughs> for sure as soon as they start communicating with you a little bit you're like oh okay okay yeah yeah so how is um simon liking fatherhood uh he's loving it yeah. you know yeah he really loves it that's good. he's a really great dad oh, that's and good. he's very uh, like um calm with him and patient uh whereas Noah is not with him <laughs> like he's um very um much like stop daddy I only want mommy <laughs> oh yeah oh good. totally he makes all the food in our household uh and Noah is he's been very picky with food he's not a great uh eater mm-hmm. <laughs> And Simon makes so great food and he's like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm there. I'm still there. My older one will pretty much still won't eat like anything good. Um, if I could, I mean, I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice because mm-hmm. I feel like if I had a third kid, I would get it right. So here's what I did. So my first kid, I think I was just, what happened was I, I got, pre- uh, my kids are, um, 19 months apart. So I basically got pregnant when my younger one was nine months old. And I, it was a little accident. (laughs) But, um, but what happened? So then by the time he's like eating, because he was really good for his first year of eating solid foods. Um, He kind of would put he would eat like whatever we gave him. And then no, not the first year. I'm sorry. It was like, you know, they eat solids from six months. So six months to one year. But the minute he turned one year old, he became super picky. And at that point, he went. I was sending him to daycare too. And I think they just would give him what out of his lunchbox, like what he would eat, which was yeah. the crackers and the yogurt because it was all sweet and the fruit. Yeah. So all the sweet stuff he would eat. And, um, and then by the time my second one came around, I was just so tired. So it was like, you know, I had my my older one bugging me all the time. He's a toddler, but he 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 would only eat like crackers and just like junk and like pouches and stuff. And I was just too tired to make him try to eat real food. You know, I was like, whatever he likes, like just give him whatever he likes. Like, so it's plain pasta and chicken. This is like, you know, the shitty American food. And, um, and I realized with my second one, I was like, okay, well, obviously they eat sweet stuff really readily. Like fruit is easy. Um, So I ended up not giving my younger one enough fruit. Now he will not touch a fruit, but he likes broccoli and he'll eat cauliflower. So he'll eat like, he'll eat the stuff I was for. Like I, I, because with him, I got so strict about the sweets. I was like, no, you know, like obviously his tongue is going to adjust to sweets so easily. So I gave him like for snacks, I would give him steamed broccoli (laughs) and steamed cauliflower. So now he'll still eat that. But, um, but it's like, they're both picky about meats. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, whatever. So I'm realizing what I should have done and what I, I had planned this with the first one too. I read these books about baby led weaning, um, yeah, yeah. about how you just give them what's on your plate. And I tried yeah. it with my first, but he was like gagging so much in the beginning that, and we just got too scared. You know, it's first kid, like you're just too scared about all the gagging and stuff. And so I was like, forget it. I'll just do the purees. So I would make the yeah. food and just gave him the mushy purees. Um, and I just, I now realize. The baby led weaning is the way to go. Let them feel all the texture and just have them eat off your plate. That's it. And yeah. no other choices, even though it's so frustrating. Like, and they're whiny about other wanting other foods. You don't don't even make it an option. Like, yeah. it's hard because of the whining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
for us, we had a problem from the get go. He mm. was, I think he was like four months or five months, probably five months when he got sick. Mm. And then we had to give him medicine, like through a little uh, needle thing. And the syringe. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, syringe. Thanks. Uh, and um, it was like torture. Uh-huh. Uh, so he hated that. So as soon as we would approach him with something, uh-huh. uh, he would just freak out. And I, we feel like probably he associated anything coming into his mouth that wasn't me mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with like the medicine stuff. flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and wow. So, uh, and even though he's forgotten about that, like uh, a long time ago, uh, I, I still think that he got his, his relationship with food from that. So oh, that's then we had to, when we were like desperate, we had to uh, start bribing him with like, okay, we'll read you a book if you eat. And then we were just stuck in this vicious cycle. So he wouldn't eat if we weren't reading. And then, you know. (laughs) Right, right. But it's gotten a little bit better. But, you know, it's still always a struggle. He has never had like a plate and just been like, oh, I want to eat this because I'm hungry and I want to eat. It's all just like trying to distract him. And yeah. Oh, my God, that's so hard. So it's not even like. It doesn't sound like he's actually picky about particular foods. He's just no, not, just he doesn't eat. want to eat. Oh, no. wow. Okay, that's a whole different thing. Mm, yeah, it's it's very frustrating. But wow. yeah, he eats sandwiches. Okay, that's good. <laughs> it's something. It is, that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's that's better than nothing, honestly. Is he, what, will he do the same thing with like, you know, the easy foods like crackers and things like that? Um. No, he he eats some of that, yeah. but but you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to overdo that either, because then he's just going to become a. We don't want to give him options, just yeah. like you said. Exactly. We want to eat broccoli. Like yes. that's it. You're not getting anything else. This is it. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, do we give in or do we put him to bed without any food at all? You know, um, so. Which is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to say nope, nothing else. I know it's yeah. so hard. It's the hardest thing ever. With the reading books, cold turkey. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's so like amazing to me that your bribe is reading books because <laughs> it's <laughs> he such a healthy it. bribe. <laughs> we had screen time as well, so <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, he'll get over it. I think he'll get over it. How, so he's what? He's not two yet. He's about to no. turn two, right? All right, he'll exactly. get better. And and at school, I mean, I, I assume at daycare, there's a little bit of peer pressure to eat too, because like, everyone around him is eating. Maybe uh, we thought so, but it, that didn't work. Uh, he's had some days when he's eating well, and they're like, "Today he ate." <laughs> good, good. Is his oh, growth yeah. is are his growth um, patterns okay though? Even with the pickiness, they are somehow. Uh, I think he's like a little bit on the lighter side and and shorter. Maybe. Maybe, but um, he's been uh, uh, on his curve uh, for a long time. So we're not worried in that sense. So yeah, yeah good, 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 good. That's great. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about more, a little bit more about your creative aspirations right now. I know like time is so limited with you and the fiber art stuff takes so long. I mean, honestly, the painting stuff takes a long time too. But um, yeah, like what are... I'm sure you have all these projects in your head that you would love to be working on. And um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, like uh, since my time has become so limited, I, I've spent um, a lot of the portion of my work time uh, on the fiber supply side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um I am trying to find ways of making that more streamlined and like um, efficient, so I don't have to spend all day on packing orders. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't that the craziest thing? Honestly, when I got into the fiber supply side, I was like, "Oh, cool! I'm going to do this so that I have more time to make." Exactly. <laughs> and that backfired a whole lot because I don't make anything anymore. I mean, like I I want to, yeah. but I I truly don't yeah. have time and. I have one. I have one girl who helps me out like twice a week. Um, 
I mean, honestly, things are actually a lot slower right now. I think. Um, yeah, I don't same know. Here. Is it for you too? I actually wonder, yeah. like, what's happening? Is I, it globally or is it? I think it's globally. Um, I think it's. I mean, the pandemic that was like for all of us. I think we were like, "What is happening?" Uh huh. <laughs> like crazy busy. Yeah. 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 Yes. And uh, I know I kind of got think... used to that. I was like, "Oh, so this is what it's going to be coming now." I'm like, "Wait, what's going yeah. on?" I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think we have to get used to the idea that some of those people tried it for the first time and then maybe don't want to pursue it. But we have a lot of the, the fiber community has mm-hmm. grown like in total still big time. Yeah. So I think we're going to end up above the pre pandemic right. uh, level, but, but a little lower than the pandemic because that was not normal. <laughs> no, it was not. That was, it was uh, quite insane now that I think back to it. And it also just cause there was a shortage, there was also like a rope shortage yeah. for a while. So then it was like the demand got crazy and we couldn't yeah. fulfill it, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What a weird, what a weird time. I never thought, I was like, I never thought having like a craft business would be recession proof <laughs> or whatever, pandemic proof. <laughs> no. And I was like, who knew? Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, so my plan is to uh, sort of make sure that I don't have to spend that much time on that part, even though I I really love it. And um, like, I, I feel like I have such a great um relationship with my customers Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but I have to make some priorities so we'll see how that goes and then uh, I like um, what I'm working on right now is a uh, domestica course oh good Uh, no domestica yes of Um, course I'm actually going to be talking to someone um, in about two weeks who's coming out with her course I think in the spring so yeah I'm not sure when mine's coming out, okay. but uh, we're going to be filming in uh, March. Okay. So, nice. Uh, um, super exciting. What are you going to uh, make? Can you can you say like you you don't have to tell me exactly, but in general? Yeah, it's it's going to be focused on macro weaving. Okay. So, um, yeah, uh, but awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's super exciting. I I'm going to uh, Madrid, Spain. Uh, oh wow. And um, yeah. It feels surreal because I I felt like, well, I'm I'm done with traveling. That's not gonna happen right. <laughs> life anymore. Like, <laughs> I felt like that, but yeah, that'll be great. How long will you be there? Uh, just a week. Okay. And are you gonna bring Simon and Noah, or will they stay home so you can have a little fun? Uh, I think fun I'm week. gonna go there at first for myself, but I think Simon wants to join so we can have like a longer vacation afterwards. Oh, good. good. Uh, so yeah, you got to make the most of the travel. Like honestly, exactly. it's been such a long like, time too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think he's gonna uh, meet up with us there cool. when I'm done. That's <laughs> awesome. So that's gonna be in March. And then, so what do you think you'll launch like in the summer? Uh, I haven't talked to them about that. So, yeah. um, I actually don't know uh, how long it takes. Uh, I should probably know, but <laughs> yeah. Have uh, you planned out exactly the project you're going to do? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. So it's going to be a wall hanging, uh, obviously maybe, uh, but yeah. Do they have you, be- do they have you like sketch something out? and like submit it or do they or do you kind of just explain in general terms what you're gonna create? um i i made a sketch okay. you know i i like illustrating so i felt like that was natural yeah to describe what it was gonna be and then just make a, a little sketch yeah yeah okay. cool well that's very exciting yeah so that's my main focus right now okay Nice. Yeah. And are you working on commissions or anything like that? Or do are you not taking those at the moment? Right now, no. Okay. Uh, don't have the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I like I want to do more of like selling in individual patterns like mm-hmm. for different projects that can be like an extension of my books. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's been my plan since I made the first book. But it's honestly so much time. It's so much and, time, I know. Yeah, I know. when you don't have the contract, like you have to finish on that date. 
there you prioritize other stuff yeah that's more uh, yeah has to come first yeah I totally understand um do you have anyone helping you on the supply side like where you're like helping you pack orders or anything Simon <laughs> um no I I don't I don't it's it's like a very a huge commitment in Sweden uh to become an employee mm. uh there are very strict rules and laws about it so uh, I feel like that would be a huge step for me to take. And I'm I'm definitely not ready for that. Right. Um, you have to like pay attention. Oh, to, and, right, to become and, an employer. Yeah. Even if it's a part-time worker, it's it, you still have to do all that? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, that's how so. we avoid uh, <laughs> like, you know, all the things that the extra taxes and workers comp and pension stuff is like if they if they work less than 40 hours, um, then it's just they, they're like basically a contractor. Okay. Or you can choose yeah. to do that. You can I'm, choose to have them be like an official employee or you can choose to have them be a contractor. Yeah, I, I guess you could make something like that as well here. But I'm I'm I just feel like it would be a huge undertaking to to learn on all the rules and stuff so um i'm doing it by myself and i have simon to help me out uh when i've got too much to do um we like put on netflix and sit (laughs) and pack the orders together that's amazing that he knows everything now and he knows all the colors and stuff oh my gosh messes up the thicknesses but (laughs) that's understandable with me first (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, um, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's all I really wanted to ask. Um oh no, I was I was curious about just like um mm-hmm. the way well, I don't know, I guess we kinda of talked about it. the way that um Sweden dealt with COVID was so different than the way that the United States did. And we kept looking to you guys being like, I wonder what's gonna happen over there. <laughs> do you feel like I I, I guess I wonder how do you feel about how they handled it? And was it like too lax or was it like, you know, the perfect amount of um, freedom and independence and making your own choices? It's very hard to say. Um, uh, it's People are not uh, like all Swedes don't uh, agree. Like, mm. yes, it was perfect or no, it was awful. Uh, there are many different opinions here as well. Uh, but I think like in the beginning, I think people were very, um, they complied with the rules, uh, and it seemed to be working sort of what we didn't do well was, um, handling our, um, care of elders. Mm -hmm. Uh, we lost a lot of older people to COVID in the beginning. Um, but yeah, I think. I think that if you look at the numbers, we're we're not uh, we're we're doing better than some countries that went into lockdown, mm-hmm. and we're doing a little bit worse than our Scandinavian um, uh, neighbors. Yeah. So I think it's like some things definitely could have been handled better, and some uh, not. Like we we didn't have. Um, masks mm-hmm. with uh, our uh, authorities said that it could actually be um worse to work. everyone exactly like mm-hmm. people would feel safe when they weren't and they weren't yeah. using it the right way they were like hold, pulling it down yeah. using their hands and not changing them you know uh but then uh, they changed that so we started using them in in like public transports and stuff like that uh, so there was a lot of back and forth, you know, and yeah, I mean, but, it is, it's a confusing time. It's like, how do yeah. you decide what's right? And yes, uh, Sweden also, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just, Sweden. We, we have the mask mandates too. And half the, yeah. half, at least people like when I go into a store or whatever, they're not wearing them right. You know, it's like, it's just, it's like a for show, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sweden also had a unique take, I think on, um, uh, the lockdown perspective, like um, the authorities or the um, department or whatever uh, that um, gave the recommendations to the government, 
they have to have a child perspective um, in all the decisions they make. And one of the main points of not doing lockdown was that it was would be terrible for kids, yeah. for their education and for their well-being. Like a lot of kids get their lunch through school. Uh, I mean, all the kids get lunch through school and some wouldn't be able to get food properly at right. home and you know um so and and would experience violence at home so uh i i think the child perspective was uh it, it played a big role in that and i i still think that it was a a good thing that kids could keep going to school um yeah 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 for sure i know i think that was i like i feel lucky that i have two but I felt mm. so bad for kids who were only children in their in their households where they're probably like so bored and then the parents are still trying to work, like still trying to work from home or whatever they're trying to do, you know? Like my kids got really close during that time, like at least the, the two months where it was really, really strict. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just hard all around, you know? Yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> on that note, I just want to say thank you so much, Bunny. Is that right? Funny? Yes. Zedanius? Right? Zedanius? Okay. <laughs> I want to make sure that I uh, introduced you properly, too, in the beginning. Right, But, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you are crunched for time, but, um, yeah, it was so no, nice getting to know you great. better. The same. I had a blast. Thank awesome. you so much. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. And I know I will be seeing you on Instagram and looking out for your Domestica course um, probably around this summer. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Fanny. <laughs> Bye. Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on naromastudio.com slash the fiber artist podcast. If you enjoy the fiber artist podcast, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.